0: This is an Equity Bates Media podcast.
1: Equity
0: Minds! I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is easy.
1: Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast that follows our journey of investing. Whether you're an absolute beginner or approaching Warren Buffett status, our aim is to help break down your barriers from beginning to dividend. My name is Bryce and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going?
2: I'm very good, Bryce. I'm pumped for this episode. We are talking about a group of companies that, well, have driven the market, have made most people listening have made us a fair bit of money. Uh, (laughs) And uh, some of the, there might be some of the biggest companies, but there are also some of, the most innovative and exciting companies in the market.
1: That's it. And we have an expert here to uh, help us talk through some of the companies that are in the Fang Plus ETF. It is our pleasure to welcome Zach Riaz to the studio. Zach, welcome.
3: Morning, gents. Thank you for the kind um, introduction.
1: So Zach is the co-founder of Banyan Tree Investment Group, a manager and advisor on $3.5 billion across equity and multi-asset strategies. So plenty Of experience. And we're going to be picking Zach's brain on all things uh, tech stocks that uh, Ren was just talking about. So this is part of uh, a series with ETF Securities and about their Fang Plus ETF, which is an equal weighted ETF providing access to 10 stocks, Baidu, Alibaba, Alphabet, Apple, Tesla, Microsoft, Nvidia, Amazon, Meta, and Netflix. Zach, all the big hitters are in there.
3: That's where all the innovation is coming out of. That's Mm. it.
1: That's it. So Let's kick off about Fang Plus. So, for people unfamiliar with the term, let's start with equal weighted. What is equal weighted and how does it differ from market cap weighted?
3: Well, as the name suggests, um, equal weighted is essentially every stock, every company, regardless of its size, risk um, is positioned in the index at the same weight. Um, So, you know, essentially um, average. Um, And obviously market weighted is where the size of the company, and invariably that also means the risk associated with it, gets taken into account. So market cap is essentially, you know, your price times, the shares outstanding. So the bigger, companies um, can drive um, the index now how you got to think about it is uh, i think it's very relevant in some parts of the market um, especially as you start becoming a lot more consolidated in terms of the indices you look at the australian market right your big drivers are your banks uh, your big drivers are your um, materials so if you're invested in a market cap weighted approach to those index, then you're really taking a bet on the big banks and you're taking a bet on the materials and what happens there. So what we tend to do is if we're less uh, positive or how we advise clients, if you're less positive on those big sectors that invariably drive the index, then you go more for an equal weighted and average. And what that also means is you get a nice breadth of exposure to economic and uh, economic sectors and industries but also different business growth um, rates, right? So there's smaller companies, by their very nature, have better growth rates, uh, but they're more risk. And so, in you know, in really vibrant. High growth, high economic growth environments, you probably want to be equal weighted because the big companies tend to grow slow, and there's a gravitation toward the smaller companies. But similarly, in a you know in a more um, volatile or defensive style market, you want to gravitate towards the large companies. So that's where the market cap, a market cap weighted sort of index um, approach. You, you look at the fangs, right? It, Google came out with an extraordinary result um, that not too many people were calling it. it. Came well above consensus, and whilst the rest of the market are down, it was, took one stock. Um, for it to push back into positive territory or thereabouts. And we all know over the the last 10 years, as these guys have enjoyed the structural tailwinds behind from the innovation disruption, they've become a much larger part of obviously the NASDAQ than also the S&P 500. Mm -hmm. It's how you want to play it. There are parts of it. And, you know, you could take a satellite plus approach as well. You go, well, the index has been driven by these guys, really. Um, So let me invest in them. And I know they're good, liquid, safe companies. Then I'll take risks with satellite positions, and which can be in your slightly more se- speculative.
2: I feel that equal weighting particularly matters with this ETF because Baidu is what fifty billion market cap, and Apple's three trillion. Yeah. And so, if you want Baidu to have any effect. It's not going to if it's market capital. Well,
3: it's, it's going to get drowned out, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, and that's right. So, you know, that's the other thing, Baidu, not too many people probably know about Baidu just yet, right? So and I think that's why ETFs like this with an equal weighted approach are also introducing new exposures, um, not just um, in terms of the technology, but economic exposures in terms of which markets mm-hmm. and which consumers they target. Yeah. So that's a really good example exactly, right? Yeah.
2: So uh, there's 10 companies in this ETF what ties them together and I guess what separates them from other sort of tech names in the US and China?
3: I mean, if we take step back and take the premise behind um, the ETF and the holding, it's all about innovation and disruption. And I think that's essentially what, ties these companies together. You know, they're still innovating. And and, I mean, they're multi-trillion dollar companies, but you just see they're still, um, you know, we'll get to a little bit later, they're still innovating in AI, machine learning, autonomous auto driving cars and and, and whatnot. And they just have the backing of free cash flow and very strong balance sheets. Uh, I think I was looking at a figure, the the top tech companies combined have close to a trillion dollars on their balance sheet in terms of liquid cash, Right. And just to give you an example, you know, Apple Watch went from nothing to three, four billion dollars in revenue, right? And you know, so these companies have the ability. So uh, I think bringing it back to what the core premise behind this ETF is and the kind of companies that they own is that innovation and disruption. I think the other thing that probably differentiates this a little bit is that it is at the larger end of. Of the market cap, they're liquid, they're well-known companies with generally good earnings behind them, so they're not risk. You know, so you're not taking too much speculative risk in this. In market sales, I know the first month has been a little bit different, uh, where it's been driven by rising yields, so the tech stocks have come off, duration stocks have come off, but generally they, because of the defensive nature, um, they tend to hold up much better, and people gravitate towards US equities and you know, stocks with good earnings. So I think what the differentiation is also around governance, you know, these are listed in the US, um, you know, even Baidu and uh, Alibaba, there's an, uh, these are ADRs mm. and so there's a, a obligation once you list it on how you approach governance and whatnot. I know there's a lot of conjecture around that right now around the ADRs as well. So there's, there's big differences around that mm-hmm. as well. Mm.
1: So we recently saw Twitter removed from from the from the index and replaced with Microsoft. I'm surprised Microsoft wasn't in there to begin yeah. with. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's, massive a, good, that's oversight. a good
2: substitution, I think. <laughs> yeah, massive <laughs>
1: oversight. Uh, so that begs the question here at Equity Mates. We've been throwing it around the office a bit. When will Netflix get the flick? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so for context, for those listening, it currently has a r- roughly a market cap of 182 billion. The next smallest market cap in the index is 600
3: for, um,
2: American, for American for American companies. For it, yeah, for yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. So Netflix is going through a, a period of influx with its earnings. Its member growth certainly disappointed. I mean, so bring it back to, I guess, how the actual ETF is set up. There's an the investment committee, um, from my understanding. That looks at the market, uh, that considers liquidity, that considers uh, the market cap, um, and then makes a decision based on some rules-based numbers as well as to what gets included. It is still at their discretion. Now, back to the original premise. Why would a company be included in this particular ETF? Disruption and innovation. So if I had to take either side of the coin, let's take the, the reasons why you would probably look to remove it is... The innovation around streaming mm. has largely played yeah. out, yeah. right? And and it's mainstream Netflix has <laughs> <I'm> absolutely <laughs> yeah exactly. I mean, you know, I for the last couple of years, I think the eyeballs have moved that have moved away from TV, your linear programming, to non-linear programming like Netflix and whatnot has probably largely played out. Mm. Um, TV has lifted its game as well, so I think that disruption piece for Netflix is largely done. Now they may reintroduce disruption innovation by maybe calling a gaming company. Microsoft has gone out and do that. They may try to move in other areas where they're disrupting more. But right now it's a land grab mm. for Netflix, right? And, you know, to be honest, most of us have Netflix. Yeah. So, and the other part of Netflix is that quite simply is that they've got to continue to produce good content. So you've got to continue to push that out, right? And you guys know that, right? Oh, yeah. The, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you, you can't stop, right? I mean, <laughs> I, I, it's, it's, the funny thing is, right, I, I speak to some social media influencers who are starting to get up and they always say, oh, I just got to come up with content. I've got to come up with content because that's what you think mm-hmm. about, right? But mm-hmm. taking the positive side on Netflix, it has a very strong market position. Mm-hmm. It's raised its fees as well. So that's earnings. And, again, right now it's cash flows, free cash flows are struggling because it continues to invest in this business. But like I said, the company is so big that it can go out and, you know, approach innovative markets, you know, whether it's, um, you know, side markets, uh, alternative markets. Um, so, yeah, I think it's on, it's on the question mark uh, probably for the investment committee. Big
2: time. Mm. So, Zach, uh, at Banyan Tree, you advise a lot of clients on how to build portfolios. When you think about an ETF like Fang Plus, uh, how would it fit into a portfolio?
3: Yeah, so I kind of... Touched on it at the start. I mean, we know it's concentrated. We know it's giving you the exposure to the largest liquid companies that are still disrupting and innovating. An interesting thing is they're pretty still. They're still fairly safe companies. I think the other point is that, back to the Netflix point, there are other companies that are knocking on the door to be entered into mm. this ETF. So you know, think about the innovation that's going on there. So I think how we use uh, or we would consider using this is is basically look that satellite core plus satellite approach. You know, the index has essentially been driven by these large companies. If we look at their recent results, they're still kicking goals Mm -hmm. uh, as shown by Google and whatnot. They're going through a bit of period of uh, margin compression and, you know, due to labor costs and whatnot. Some of that is transitory, some of that may be a bit more uh, long-term, but they're still growing top-line and earnings at double digits, right? That's pretty attractive, Um, and and especially when re-rating has already happened. So we would take the approach that, you know, have this potentially as your core because it invariably gives you the exposure to the market anyway, and then you take other satellite approaches to it. Or you can just go, look, I'm a long-term investor. I expect the investment committee to keep introducing innovative disruptions. I know that's where the place is to be. Mm. We, we're, I was just reading the latest KPMG surveys from um, 2022 as well. Management teams are only thinking about one thing: how do they actually disrupt and innovate their own businesses and sectors? Mm. So, mm. income these tech stocks. But yeah, that's how I'd largely use it.
1: And then, so how do you think about the fact that a lot of these companies are a trillion or more, like massive, and still pumping out? Uh, reasonable growth but yeah. i guess at a trillion dollars you got to ask how do they get to two how do they get to three trillion
2: well, you, yeah. didn't have, you didn't have to ask apple past it. <laughs> but yeah.
1: so how do you balance that with uh thinking about you know looking at other etfs or opportunities that feature those smaller tech companies that have that growth coming through
3: Back to the earlier point, that you can take that satellite approach. You know, you can have these guys as your cornerstone and know there will be changes within that will generally lead to higher earnings and disruptive innovation outlook. But then you can mix that up with other tech stocks. But the whole notion around that is if you look at the recent sell off, some of those tech stocks are down 50, 60, 70%. Now, that's not to the risk liking of too many you know too many people mm-hmm. you know so and, and mind you a lot of people have made a lot of money out as well on paper but if you followed it up and down then you know so I think you've got to keep in mind how much risk you're willing to take on but that satellite, satellite core approach is probably the way to go yeah yeah, yeah
2: yeah I think and I haven't checked all of them but I think all
3: 10 are profitable does that uh, does that sound right I, I, from memory right. I think yeah 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 Uh, I think some of them are hitting their earnings numbers. Yeah. Um, So bottom line, maybe different story, yeah.
2: Yeah. And I guess, like, that's the difference between – the the, these companies and you know like the pelotons and the zillows and those those kind of tech
3: names and and it's an interesting point about you know earnings and how much reinvestment you do you look at google and amazon they're investing a lot when amazon's investing a lot in its fulfillment centers right because it knows it's number three player in online um, shopping in globally number one in the us right now for it to reach a higher positioning, it needs to have same-day delivery, has fulfillment centers, it needs to have presence to be able to deliver, you know, same-day or a couple of hours' delivery. So there's still a lot of investment that needs to go in this. And when you see, and whether you agree with it or not, when they see the growth trajectory in front of them, when they see the change in consumer behavior, some of these guys are saying, I'd rather not bank in the bottom line just yet and I'd rather reinvest. You look at Google right now. Google's income, uh, Alphabet's income is driven by its search, mm. solid as solid business. In fact, kicked goals, but its cloud business is still negative. And you know, it's it's up to uh, I think twenty two billion dollars quarter revenue. Uh, they see such a growth, long growth runway there. You know, as investors, if you're giving me a good rate of return on my investment, I want you to keep investing yeah, rather yeah. than give me in dividends. You've got to practice that with a sense of um, caution as well. But, like I said, there are companies, small speculative stocks that use that excuse to keep pumping in, and maybe the future returns are not likely to eventuate. So that's where you still go to these last But yeah, you know there's that that reinvestment question is also important.
2: Mm. So, Zach, we've briefly touched on a few of these companies, but uh, we love going deep on a stock mm. here at equity mates, uh, and so we'd love to uh, choose two of the 10 companies in this ETF and uh, go a little bit deeper on them, cover what the company does, where the company sees its future and where its future growth coming from, uh, any key competitors, and then, because we want to play both sides here, what the bull and the bear case may be. So, uh, dealer's choice, happy for you to choose uh, the companies that excite you the most, and um, is there one, one in particular you want to start with?
3: Well, let's talk Amazon and Google, right? Two, right. two. and I think everyone knows them. So, But <laughs> what, what I want to do is as any investor, especially professional investors, these companies are so wide-ranging, you want to just bring it back to what really matters and essentially that's what you're asking about. What's going to be the catalyst for these guys um, going forward in terms of a returns perspective? So let's take Google first. Search is great. Absolutely killing it, and what they're doing with AI, machine learning, and just the way they're bringing new products for you and I to promote so much more seamlessly, right across their different platforms and properties. It's it's amazing, right? So one AI, I don't even have to put in the keywords and bidding for it. I will tell them this is what I want. I want return on investments, or I want return on consumer eyeballs, or whatever it is, and it will go bid across Mm -hmm. platforms. Right, That, that kind of innovation. That's why they're kicking goals with their search. But what's what's the kicker here? I think one of the kickers for them will be, for Google will be YouTube.
0: Yeah.
3: Uh, what the valuation on that is. YouTube was bought for $1.6 billion. Crazy. Back on the envelope numbers currently, Three to four hundred billion dollars. That's about 15 years worth of um, work, right? That's it's not bad, really bad. right? There, he's there he's was, looking at me disgusted. There, um, there, was, there was some
2: <laughs> stat that it was like uh, Google makes now makes 1.6 billion dollars in revenue every like three weeks or something. Mm.
3: You, you got to be crying if you're the sellers, right? But I'm sure they're
2: <laughs> well, yeah, I'm sure they're they're probably
0: billionaires,
3: but <laughs> but what. Again, it's a great example of what a large company with great market position was able to bring a really good idea and really put Mm -hmm. a rocket underneath it. So what the value of Google and YouTube is important, how they can increase the memberships, how they can increase advertising, that cross-pollination between search and stuff, that seamless pollination is another great driver. Mm -hmm. I think this conjecture around, you know, we're talking about antitrust issues. To be honest, if you broke up Google, some of the parts are looking pretty decent as well. Yeah. Uh, to be frank, so yeah. that's one for Google and YouTube. I, I think again, I'm not. I don't think I'm telling you anything rocket science. I think this is out in the public as well. The other part really is cloud. So they're doing really good, kicking um, kicking goals in cloud. They're picking up some really big names, and also um, the run rate. They're still making a loss there. Uh, yeah, I think well, that's quite of the, small relative. To exactly, AWS yeah. and, and Microsoft, yeah. but. That, that for my perspective is still a rising t- tide lifts all boats. Yeah. There's a lot to go around. There's a, over a trillion dollars in IT spend. There's still a lot to go in infrastructure as a service and and which is probably becoming a lot more commoditized, but platform as a service, right? And when you seamlessly connect your other properties and whatnot and ability to give you a much broader view and target audience, it's a powerful. So I think what Google um, Cloud can do from an earnings perspective and what YouTube may do. And and then, again, just the AI machine learning there to making that um, search seamless, it just blows your mind. Mm. Um, so that's, that's the key catalyst for me for Google. Like I said, growth rate will moderate a bit, but you still – I'm hitting those mid digits, double digits yeah. numbers. Is there a bear case for Google? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I'm struggling to yeah, find ding. it. No, no.
1: Yeah, true, true. No. Okay. I oh, hear Ask Jesus ask, trying to get a bit of a return back. Uh,
2: ask Jesus now, just Jeez? ask. Or no, ask. No, it's ask group. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. So the bear case is this, right? The bear case is that the cloud becomes so competitive they don't make the earnings and the margins. So AWS is expected to reach 35 margins. You know, that's what you probably, you know, um, also sort of expect over time for Google. So that didn't hit the margins. Disappoints, right? YouTube, you know how quickly innovation is happening. Some guy comes up with another platform and eyeballs and everything goes there. Again, the, you know, the eyeballs tend to just, um, you know, rather being captured. They're in other places, but Google and Amazon probably buy it out anyway. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, right? Yeah. So, um, and the other bear case is I think what's really important to understand is what was the winner of last year may not be the winner of next year. Mm. Just look at who were the leaders of uh, who were the leaders in early 2000. It was Microsoft, GE, you know, the other big names. Yeah. Some Exxon. of them are not excellent, <laughs> no, some of them are not even here and some of them are going to probably completely evaporate, yeah. right? Yeah. So I think that keeps me up at night that what will Google, how can Google's story really fall off? Yeah, it's tough.
1: It's just it's hard to think like that with Google. It has 98% dominance in well, yeah, so no, no, no. Here's like here's fun. a bear
2: case. Uh, we no longer need internet search because Elon Musk puts oh, microchips in all of our brains, and the search functionality is no longer needed.
1: But it's searching through Google to go into <laughs> our brains. Well,
3: well. If 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 you believe some of the conspiracy theorists, I, I have had my jabs, and apparently I can talk to um, Bill Gates through uh, my uh, <laughs> through the chip and. My yeah,
2: th- but it's through Bing, so it doesn't really <laughs> work.
3: <laughs> Half of the Slow searches enough. don't even come up. <laughs> but yeah look yeah it it is an issue and the other point is um these guys are competing for talent yeah yeah. uh talent like yourselves are saying i can do this on my own i don't need to do this so that's a big thing and in fact the other company amazon that's one of the sore points four billion dollars extra in the quarter because they couldn't find people Uh, and they just
1: upped their base salary i think from two to base salary cap from 229 to almost 500k yep like their base salary cap was two hundred twenty nine thousand okay. across the company, okay. and they've now upped that to half a million.
2: The amount of money. What, my biggest regret is I didn't study computer science. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk. I'll about, take that to my grave.
1: <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about Amazon then. Yep. Similar case. What's What's going to take it from? Through the next trillion. Yeah,
3: look, I think with Amazon, Mm the one thing they started splitting out is the advertising piece. So that's about $9 billion. Mm -hmm. That's important. Again, you know, they've realized they've got all these properties and they can, and they've got these three third party sellers and, and they've got these market positions. You know, they can again seamlessly include AI. ML and innovation to help these guys promote their um, products, their services. And and that's something that's a, that's a real growth area. And the other part is the growth part is cloud. You know, they're, mm. they're trying to move away from just providing a basic infrastructure, which will become commoditized, to becoming a more platform that includes that a or higher gross margin mm. and so look i think one of the positive cases for amazon is people are looking for that cloud computing business to register about 35 basis um, 35% in margin as it gets to maturity mm. so now the downside case really is that look these disruptions and the wages pressure on wages is more elevated and remains elevated i mean there's a really good example they gave during the recent quarterly update uh, was that you know, because of Omicron, they had people getting off work who couldn't come back until they got a test, they had to go more people in, so they were paying two to three times for the same position. Because right. that and now you think that should settle down, yeah. and they're saying that, but you know, as you just said, they've upped the ante on wages in general, right? So, and they've got away with paying pretty, you know, pretty attractive rates, so it's the cloud. It's what can happen with, um, obviously, the advertising. And then also, you know, there are some markets that they're, you know, in terms of the 3P, uh, the products, they're big in retail, e-commerce and whatnot, I'm sorry, in um, entertainment apparel. But there are other markets that their sectors and industries, they're not big on, like food and whatnot, mm-hmm. which, is, which is a growing category. So those are the key things. And, you know, the bear case is really the opposite of that. Again, you disappoint uh, you're already a trillion dollar company. people start moving to slightly other yeah. yeah parts of the market.
2: The other question I guess uh is the Jeff Bezos transition so um you know he was probably the best business person of our time yeah it's just taking retail and just turning it on its head, but he's now leaving the business and seems to be living in a gym. If yeah, I have, was just say, if you've Seen any recent buff. photos yeah. of him? Well, you know why I... he
3: had to buff up <laughs> for all the obvious reasons, right? Um, he's slightly got a new equity partner. Yeah, yeah,
2: <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, Andy Jazzy has taken over, who is started the uh, AWS business. Yeah. Um, how do you how do you think that transition is going to go? Um, when like legendary founders leave companies and hand it over, how does that go on historically?
3: Yeah, it's a very good question. I think it's important. Now, generally for most companies of a reasonable size, uh, I think not enough um, credit is given to middle management and, you know, the second team manager above the the CEO or the founder, right? Mm. Absolutely no doubt the founder brings vision, energy and motivation and everyone follows that. But I think the execution part, which is the most important part, I want to put people on the moon. That's great, mate. No. All right, now <laughs> fine, give me the game plan, right? So Elon Musk is great at going. We're just going to do this, and and he's smart enough to start the process and get. But then you've got people coming in. But uh, what we'd like to think is, when you're a couple of trillion-dollar companies, you've started to prepare people in those roles to take over, but because they're already doing the executing, does a bit of the vision fall away? Perhaps, uh, but there's you know there's still other personalities that can pick up the pace. So we're, we we think it's big enough for it to just not just fall off. Uh, but some of these guys are very capable in the, yeah, the yeah, second tier yeah. and third tier management and I think it's been well planned. And look, at the end of the day, some of these founders are still very much exposed and leveraged to how the equity prices yeah, and yeah, the yeah, performance yeah. of the company goes. So I, yeah.
2: I feel like the whole vision question can't really be asked with the new Amazon CEO because I think the story, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the story was, they have like uh, Bezos had someone shadow him for a year and like every mm. year it was someone new when Andy Jazzy was shadowing Bezos, when it was a retail company Andy had the idea of selling their excess service base and started Amazon web services. So in terms of vision, like it wasn't Bezos that came up with that idea.
3: I mean, and this is the thing, right? Like I said, I want to go to the moon. Well, let's not go to moon. Let's go to Mars. Uh, you know, they, they, so yeah. it's, it's the people that you surround yourself. Right. And, Amazon, you know Google and Apple. Honestly, the guys at the top were really good at selling the, the vision. Mm-hmm. You know there were some really smart guys below. You know the Apple founder. There's some really smart guys below the Google founders, right? So you got to give credit there as well. And and I and you agree that I think it is a brains trust that is coming up with this. And um, you know, like I said. At the end of the day, vision is one part. Execution is another important part. And as investors, we're more interested in execution. Mm.
2: Um, There's some very successful transitions. Tim Cook taking over yeah. Apple has been a, yeah, a trillion. trillions of dollars worth of success. Uh, Eric Schmidt taking over Google, again, like incredibly successful. Steve Ballmer taking over Microsoft, not, not so much. There's some funny stuff there. Yeah. Um, I put him as the most undeserving billionaire because Microsoft just languished, but he managed to become a billionaire out of it. Yeah, yeah. stoked. Stoked, and now he owns an NBA team. It's yeah. like that's the life that I want. <laughs> oh, well,
3: exactly. Uh, look, there are plenty of positive. I mean, t- Tim Cookie and took on the attire. Uh, <laughs> so you know, there's always pros. There's always positive stories, negative stories. I, I think that's something you're always watching hmm. uh, with. Amazon, you've seen the founder already starting to walk away. Mm-hmm. And, and that's when the interesting thing is, right? With some of these companies, Google still the CEO is on the equity uh, analyst briefing every time. Most of the um, briefing is done by the CFO yeah, and and other guys in yeah. there. They know the business yeah. better than the CEO. Yeah. I can tell you that, yeah. right? So there are some guys, like like I said, the Google of um, the Alphabet CEO, he's always on answering a question from analysts, but there are other guys who just don't even go on, yeah. um, you know? So, yeah, like I said, I think it's something we look out for. In in a smaller company, I feel it's, a, it's something we pay a lot more attention to because it can often lead to a change in strategy, which could either mean more investment, Investments, your return profile looks different. Your risk profile looks different. Here, I think the the innovation and what we're trying to achieve is largely set. And and the other bets, a lot of these companies have this other bets, right, where they're trying to waste their money on something out of the out of the world. That's still a small part, so it can't eat into what is generally still driving the overall yeah. shareholder value.
1: Mm. Well, Zach, there's no doubt that these companies are going to have to continue performing incredibly well yeah. to. Put on another trillion and another trillion thereafter. But it's exciting to think what they will achieve if if they uh, do hit that three, five, I don't know, ten trillion dollar company one day. Who knows?
3: But uh Yeah,
2: what's after a trillion?
3: I don't know. A zillion, a quadru- a zillion isn't it?
2: Quadrillion?
1: <laughs> you know,
3: look look, the returns are how do you get equity returns? Share price appreciation, capital management dividends and thing. At some point, these guys might just go up the ante and become a Telstra. We're going to pay you a 7% yield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to pay you 7 And you know what? And these guys already they are already buying back shares, right? Yeah. Right now, $50 billion of share buyback doesn't make a difference, no. right? You, you get to a point where you're saturated. If you had to ask me, there's a couple of ways shareholder value could unlock uh, apart from just rising um, market cap. A breakup value, like I said, that could equate to better... Companies, yeah. better capital management and dividends, shareholder returns, and um, or they can just continue to just eke out that ten to fifteen percent per annum at a nice margin. Can't complain
1: with that. Yeah, <laughs> nice one. Well, we are about to hear from Kanish, who's head of distribution at ETF Securities, to unpack the ETF in a little bit more detail. But Zach, thank you for coming in and sharing your time and really highlighting. Uh, I guess the significance that these companies have in the ETF and, and why they're important, and um, you know, it's really exciting just keeping track of these. And a lot of the Acquiremates community is invested in, are invested in these companies as well. So um, we appreciate your time. Thanks, Gents. Appreciate it. So it's our pleasure to welcome Kanish Chug to the studio, head of distribution from ETF Securities. Kanish, welcome and happy New Year. Bryce, thank you for having me and happy New Year to you, to both of you as well. So we've been chatting all things Fang with Zach, and uh, we thought we'd close out the interview to get uh, a bit of an understanding of the actual ETF itself uh, from you. So let's start at the top. Why, uh, why create an ETF like Fang?
4: We so ETFs, you know, we're all about trying to create innovative um, products and and unique products as well. So we launched this ETF. It's the the ETFs Fang Plus ETF. So the code is F A N G or Fang. So quite easy to remember. Um, We launched it in 2020. So literally, just as the markets were starting to drop, so late Feb, early March. And the idea behind it was to give investors an ability to access. What they wanted in a larger way, so the FANG ETF gives you exposure to ten stocks equally weighted in you know the mega quality, highly innovative, disruptive companies such as you know Amazon, Apple, etc. But from their perspective, how would you get exposure to those stocks? So an investor could yes, they can go direct, they can go directly via a number of different platforms. They can buy one of those names or a few of those names, but they have to choose which of those names. And you know we've spoken about single stock risk, and that exist in a big way and we've seen over the past 12 to 18 months with this with these names they could access these names via an active manager that focuses on you know quality growth and there are a lot of them out there some get a bit more media than others more recently Um, and unfortunately some also underperform the the benchmarks and then you could also access a very broad index such as the S&P 500 or the Nasdaq 100 index but by doing that you also get a lot of other names so the feedback that we got was, we were, clients were saying we want to go overweight these mega quality names. How do we do that, mega cap quality names? And so we launched this ETF. It's now got you know just around two hundred million under management, um, and you know it's been around uh, coming up to two years now.
2: So Kanish, one uh, thing about this ETF that we quite appreciate it's is that it is equal weighted, which is quite uncommon for Australian ETFs. So explain to us uh, why equal weighting was important when we're talking about these mega-cap tech stocks.
4: It's interesting. I guess, firstly, they, you, you you call them mega-cap tech and some of them are, are tech, some of them are not tech. You know, Amazon, it's a consumer um, company. Um, Tesla, it's an automobile company. But they're, they're all involved in disruption. So tech, yeah, I think nowadays is a very loose word. But on the equal weighting aspect, a big part of that is If you were to market cap weight this index and these 10 names that are in there, Apple would be the biggest weight. Microsoft would be the second biggest weight within this ETF and they would then dominate the contribution to the performance on the fund now that may be right or wrong because you may say well the biggest company in theory should be dominating but in an area where all of these companies are innovating and they're disrupting in multiple different revenue streams you know whether it be cloud computing, future mobility, uh, gaming metaverse, um, you know esports or even consumer auto logistics like with Amazon you want each of those stocks to contribute to the performance so you know in the same way investors look at diversifying their portfolio an equal weighting approach in certain instances actually allows you to diversify the ETF's portfolio in a much better way than a market cap weighted approach would which would be the largest name would have the biggest voice here each of the names have the largest voice whatever their size and they are big companies anyway they're 10 of the biggest companies in the world but still
1: so just to quickly whip through them, we've got Meta, Netflix, NVIDIA, Amazon, Microsoft, Alibaba, Tesla, Alphabet, Apple, and Baidu. Um, I guess that begs the question, why these holdings? And I think recently you booted out Twitter? Uh,
2: Twitter got booted for Microsoft. And yeah. Yeah. Tesla and Nvidia. Uh, how long have they been in there? Uh,
4: they've been in there. Um, the index has been around for over five years now. So those ten names have been there for those five years. They were seen as being the the most innovative, disruptive leaders um, in their spaces. And when you think about disruptive trends, so you know we have a lot of thematic ETFs this is a very easy way to access multiple different themes. You know, whether it's the e-commerce, whether it's future mobility, whether it's cloud computing, you know, this is a very simple way to do that.
2: Kanish, when we uh, speak to you about these ETFs, we like to finish with, uh, I guess, talking about what the future looks like for an industry that we're talking about. Uh, It's a little bit harder here because these 10 companies are spread across Multiple industries in uh, a couple of, or in many countries. I'm going to ask it to you generally. Feel free to take it whichever way you like. What's the future prospects look like for some of these major? tech and you know huge disruptors?
4: I think on the whole a big concern at the moment in the macro environment is rising rates, inflation and a lot of people are concerned that the impact that that would have on growth stocks and there's a belief that some of these names or all of these names are linked very much to growth. I sometimes would counter that in saying yes, on Companies which don't have strong fundamentals, strong cash balances, strong earnings, strong revenue streams and diversified revenue streams, you could say that in the long term or in the you know rising interest rate environment would have an impact. In the short to medium term, there's going to be noise. And we've seen that with some of these names dropping and, you know, starting to have their stock price affected. But in the long term, you look at, say, a Microsoft. Last year, it's cloud computing business, which is the second largest in the world behind AWS from Amazon. So Microsoft's cloud business is called Azure. It had a 40% increase revenue on a quarter and topped the analyst estimates for the 11th straight quarter at the time of the rebounds in December. You know, it's Office 365 software, which a lot of people are using now post pandemic Pandemic because it's a very easy cloud-based solution. We all remember, or not all of us, but a lot of people would remember the CDs that you'd have to go buy. Now it's all cloud-based. That Office 365 is up 23% for the first quarter for the financial year of 2021-2022. And then with Microsoft just standing on that, you know, they recently acquired Activision Blizzard. So they're looking to get into gaming, esports, very much more so and taking the fight in a big way and dominating that gaming industry. Um, Um, When you think about their Xbox, and that was a 96 billion US dollar Acquisition, the third largest gaming company in the world, so they're very, very much making some big plays. Um, You talk about Facebook has been absolutely hammered recently. You know, the first time it's seen its active um, growth rate in in terms of users drop since it launched. I think a big thing though with Facebook is in the past it has gotten out of tricky situations through acquisition, so that will be something to keep mindful of. Its earnings are still quite strong though, and I think that's the other thing we look at all of these names. A lot of these companies have very strong earnings. Tesla's recently started to turn a profit. You know, Amazon, it has multiple different revenue streams from it's the largest cloud computing business in terms of AWS to its actual br- bricks and mortar, you know, bread and butter um, revenue stream of the Amazon store. I think a, a key part there is quality. And that's that's what I sort of try to hone in on is these names are quality industry leaders. They're quality growth names. So yes, in a rising rate environment, You may not want to have exposure to quality, but with a lot of these names, you would say, okay, for the long term, and that's the other thing from an investor standpoint, what are you investing for? If you're investing for three, six months, well, then yes, you're going to have some extreme volatility with some of these names. If you're investing for five, 10, 15 years, it'd be very hard to bet against some of these names like Apple has been around for 30 years. Its earnings are growing still, whilst lower, you know, at you know sub thir- sub teen digits, still double digits, you know, twelve, eleven, twelve percent, but still, that's very strong considering for a three trillion dollar company. I still, you know, just have to laugh that
1: companies such as Microsoft, Apple, these absolute giants, are still uh, lumped into high growth. Well, um, they they're <laughs> it's, still it's growing crazy. quickly. <laughs> I know it's it's crazy what they're able the, to do.
2: The one that I think we'll get the flick next, uh, is, <laughs> is Netflix. Uh, yeah, it, it feels like it is more and more an outlier in that basket of stocks. This index is us listed company. So there's some Chinese names, but they're us listed. Otherwise you'd think 10 cent would get a run over Netflix. Uh, but you know, Adobe is 30% bigger than Netflix. Uh, Disney is a hundred billion dollars bigger than Netflix.
4: Let's get rid of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we can take it up with the with the Fang Plus Index. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll take it up with the index, manager. Yeah, so obviously as an ETF, we simply track that index from um, from it's the NYSE Fang Plus Index. Um, you know, we follow implicitly what they do, and yeah, it's been you know from our point of view, it's a quarterly rebound. So every quarter, those ten stocks get reweighted, and potentially they do change. And we've seen that obviously recently. So mm. it is. Again, the ETF is also innovating with the times and the reason why Microsoft was at it was because of its growing cloud revenue business and its um, esports as well.
2: Yeah, and I think that's a really important point because Twitter, I mean, it was disruptive, but Twitter as a share, as an investment, hasn't been great for shareholders. I have been a Twitter shareholder for a long time, so I resonate with that pain. But the idea of having the 10 most disruptive companies but also having people updating that index to make sure they are the most disruptive companies is, uh, is great. Um, means you're not stuck holding Twitter like me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, Kanish, it sounds like um, that you know this is a, an ETF for people that might not want to be uh, exposed to single stock risk but want access to these high-growth, high-tech, high-innovation inno- companies that we've spoken about. For more information and so that people know that it is the right product for them, where should they be heading?
4: Sure, the, the best place to go is to the ETFsecurities.com.au website. Um if you click on products at the top, you'll actually see our entire product range and, and the FANG ETF is there under what we call the future present range, which has all you know our thematic ETFs, et cetera. So that's the best place. The PDS, the TMD, and a few other um, you know, useful content and articles and, and insights into the ETF. And also people can always see it on a daily basis, what the weights of those um, names. So it's only 10 names and they don't they haven't change much in between the quarter. They don't change at all during the quarters. If they want to see, you know, currently, for example, if I, if I was to just bring it up now, the top weighting actually is Baidu. Yeah, um, It's got a 12% weight in the portfolio. Apple has 11%. Alphabet has 10.8%. So people can actually go on and actually see what, what's going on there.
1: Yeah. Love it. So head to the website if you're interested and to find out if it is right for you. And uh, thanks, Kanish. We love what ETF Securities are doing. Always- Providing innovative uh, options for for the retail investor. And we are, we're back next week with you to also chat about another of your ETFs that is uh, certainly you know providing a lot of opportunity for our community as well. And that's the Robo ETF. So uh, looking forward to that one. But thanks for your time.
4: Thanks, guys. I look forward to that conversation.
1: Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Equity Mates. We love hearing from you. So drop us a line at contact at equitymates.com or even better, go to your podcast player and leave a five-star review also a reminder that the equity mates content train doesn't stop when you've run out of episodes to binge we've got a brand new website a facebook discussion group we're on instagram youtube and slowly making our way as an influencer on TikTok. well that's ren so uh come and say hello and join the community we'd love to welcome you until next time
0: equity mates investing podcast is a product of equity mates media All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. Equitymates gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by a range of financial service professionals. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of Equitymates Investing Podcast are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. EquityMates Media does not operate under an Australian financial services license and relies on the exemption available under the Corporations Act 2001 in respect of any information or advice given. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast or video. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the EquityMates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media and the hosts of Equity Mates Investing podcast acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to the elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.